Bye. Short Bus Debate Club. It's a bus. Rolling. get on board. <laughs> Hello, I'm Darren Jolly. <laughs> it's time to get this short bus started. So let's roll and on with the show. All right. Welcome to How to Rob a Bank or Do Armed Robbery by Short Bus Debate Club. I'm Brian Courtney. That's Darren Jolly. This is a literary narrative episode, <laughs> not meant to be taken literally. <laughs> yeah, this is this is movies and or books that have to do with, or I guess just media in general, because one of the things that I wanted to talk about that just fucking makes me laugh, and I can't remember if I read it in the newspaper or saw it like on a news clip somewhere. But some dildo goes in to rob a bank. But before he goes, he goes to, like, the convenience store right next door to the bank. And he gets whipped cream and fucking sprays it all over his head and face. And he goes in and robs the bank. Well, he waits in line. So by the time he gets up to the teller, all of the shit is melted (laughs) off of his face. And they can clearly identify him that and the other one which i know i read about was somebody went in and robbed a convenience store while it was snowing and then just walked right back home so the cops showed up and just followed his fucking tracks to his house so yeah media um newspaper books whatever so a hundred years ago when i was a child uh i was uh some people that I grew up with, uh, this girl's boyfriend stole a car and, uh, he ditched it at Swedish and, uh, medical center. Yes. Yes. That's uh, yeah, where I was born incidentally. Um, and, uh, they went back and they grabbed the car one night, my friend, uh, the, you know, and then her, her buddy whose boyfriend had stolen the car and these two other guys and they totally fucking, Decided to go joyride with a car that had been, you know, on the fucking books as being stolen for a little over a week. And incidentally, it was snowing outside. And they ran, they got over to uh, um, my friend's house, my other friend's house. And uh, they ditched the car in front of her house and they ran all over the place. But they ended up running back right into the fucking, into her house. And they were uh, able to find all the motherfuckers uh, in the same way that I'm sure that super genius bank robber was located where the snow takes them right back to where it is that you go and hide. Yeah, don't do not do that. So I guess this really is kind of how to rob a bank or how to rob a convenience store. Did, did the whipped cream person, did they have a cherry on top? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe from where the cops pistol whipped him and he fucking started bleeding. Uh, um uh, medical and all that wonderful stuff yes so we were going to talk about movies you know i i beat this to death but we kind of talked about it at the end of the last class where jim thompson wrote a bunch of books and i know of at least two of them that they made into movies the killer inside 
the killer inside me and mm. or the killer and is it i, I thought it was me i think it's just but, the killer inside go ahead, keep talking I'm um figure that out. and the getaway so you wrote the getaway yeah i don't think i ever fucking realized that so the getaway That's like your favorite fucking stupid movie ever dude it's fucking awesome and i've seen both versions um i could have been you're right it's me it is me mm-hmm. okay so the killer inside me and he wrote a bunch of other crime maybe you could even consider it i don't know noir type of of literature yeah it's it's some dark ass shit dude um but the getaway i i may be biased because i saw the remake first and i've grown up you know with video games being violent and and movies and and everything else so when i saw the original it wasn't as good to me. Like, there wasn't dirty language. They didn't say fuck or shit nearly as much as they should have. Because I'm figuring if you're fucking robbing banks and, and being chased by the police, well, and it wasn't a bank that they robbed. It was a, a racetrack. But she helped bust him out of jail by fucking this one guy who had some juice. So they busted him out of a Mexican jail so that he could rob this racetrack. Um, that's the movie version. The book is quite a bit different, and that's usually the case. But, um, as far as I'm concerned, the remake is better, but that's only because of gratuitous violence and language. You want to hear something else weird about that? Uh, there was a, a version of The Killer Inside Me that was made in 1976, too. Really? It was, I didn't know it until we were just talking about it. It was located <laughs> in Montana instead of in Texas. But uh, it's Lou Ford. It's the same, you know, protagonist, uh, antagonist. I don't know. He's kind of the both both at the same time. I mean, he's a, a fucking weird evil. Yeah, he was a weird, like, schizo dude. Like, he thought he was the sheriff and that he was doing good things. But then if anybody fucked with him, he killed him. And the way that... Thompson, when he wrote that, was like it's hard to kind of like sometimes the tracks of, of like when he's moving back and forth between his head spaces. It's like it's hard to tell sometimes. He, he Thompson did a really good job of writing it, but there's no doubt like one of the points that Thompson was making was how difficult it was for the Ford character to uh, to connect to reality when these sort of like divi- divisive sort of like mental spaces would sort of like flip back and forth. I haven't read that since I was in uh, uh, an undergraduate, like O2 or something. Well, so I have read, I want to say three of his books, and everything that I've read I liked, Um, but I gave it to my uncle because my uncle liked The Getaway too, Mm -hmm. and he said, I hated that shit. (laughs) Now, that might have been because of a similar reason where you know he's used to the movie of course he saw the original first but i mean he's used to the movie so then the book is entirely different like they ended up i can't remember it was like in a fucking sewage tunnel for oh, like a week the getaway, you're saying. yeah okay. well i let him i let him read my copy way. yeah and he said that sucks yeah he didn't didn't like well, he, it at all thompson was I mean, he was pretty avant-garde for his time period. I mean, and and he was like, I mean, he was just thought of as like a, 
one of them throwaway paperback, you know. Yeah, like a dime right. novel yeah, kind of guy. But, I mean, and nobody knew. It's kind of like trying to think about, like, Tom Van Zandt. Like, nobody nobody knew what kind of a singer-songwriter he was until after he basically buried himself by drinking and doing drugs, you know. And Thompson, I think, was probably similar in that respect. And, and his genius wouldn't have been the same if he was, I think it's kind of tragic and cool, you know. In a stupid romantic kind of way. Well, and what they did in the movie. So you talked about the dude in France. By the way, I know Monte Carlo is in Monaco, not France. It's an entirely different country. I don't know why fucking Monte Carlo popped out of my mouth in the last episode. But But see, that's he fixed it. You know, that's what MSNBC should try to do every now and again when they fuck up with their comments. So, um, you know, you were talking about the guy in in the fucking tunnels and he's doing all of this shit and they're bringing oxygen in so that they can breathe and they end up fucking cutting into the vault and stealing all the safety deposit boxes. And the getaway, the one I like, the remake. Mm -hmm. They actually do some really fucking cool shit in order to rob this racetrack. I mean, they're blowing up shit and they've got a fucking fake fire truck and all kinds of stuff. So it was similar to the town. Now, both of these movies have nothing to do with bank robbery, but they do have to do with armed robbery and people getting shot. And the town was fucking badass, too. Yeah. You don't it's like a, the town? I, I think it's okay, you know? I mean, I just think... Talk about it for a second, then I'll give you some shit about why I don't like the town, you know? It just it just seems hokey. Well, it is it is like a little him. bit. I like Jeremy, Jeremy Renner's character. Like, he's... Is that Reiner Renner? Reiner, Renner, Renner, yeah. It is a little bit hokey. I mean, because they always have to put this love interest in there. And... Yeah, what the fuck is the movie about? Literally, you're asking me what it's about or what it should be about. I don't want to know what Like, what was Ben Affleck trying to accomplish when he made the movie? What was it about? I mean, like you said, the love interest thing. I mean, that's like a pro, that's like a plot. Movie, it's it's you know? a weird. It's that formulaic fucking Hollywood bullshit. I mean, but the town. So I mean, they throw those stats up at the beginning of the movie where. Did you look into any of that stuff though? It's true. I mean, they to did. An, to an extent. Right. They did. There are a lot of fucking armed robberies in Massachusetts as a whole. And and that, uh, and that's probably just because that's where most of the people are. But in that, that area. Charlestown, yes. Um, so I, I think he was just trying to come up with something. Because he did that other fucking movie. What is it? We Own the Night? No. Uh, where it was a 1920s gangster. I don't know. I don't. I didn't know that. I mean, I've known he's done. A, he, he did the. He did the one about them escaping those. The Argo, the one from there. Uh, I don't know. Something 1920s about gangster. Nineteen thirties gangster. I think it was something night. I keep talking about. Um. Anyway, so the town. These guys are are robbing. Armed. Security. They're cars. Doing two, they're doing two things though. In, well, the, in, the, in the movie, they only rob the the, the cars. But they, no, he ends up robbing fucking oh, the, the stadium. The, the, the Boston, uh, but that's only because of the fucking. 
kingpin mafioso florist guy. Yeah. Um, Remember who cut your balls. Because they they generally, their crew was set up to do armed robbery to security trucks after they've done pickups. So they did a really good job. They did all their reconnaissance. You know, they watched all of these people. Um, Ben Affleck was, his character was supposed to be smart about things. And he said, no, we can't do it because this guy is, you know, a fucking vet right out of fucking Afghanistan and he's trigger happy and, and he's just waiting, waiting for a fight. Um, so we're gonna move on or, or wait. But Renner's got a fucking death wish. Right. And, and he also likes money, I'm guessing. Um. Hollywood land? Was that the? No. I can't, okay. Um, so I, I thought it was a good movie, but I, I like these types of movies. I wish they didn't do the shit, because I understand people fall in love. It happens. Um. Bonnie and Clyde. She fell in love with Clyde, and Clyde fell in love with her. Before you get too far away, I, I want to dog on that movie a little bit, though. Well, no, I was going to okay, circle okay, back okay, to okay, the town, okay, but okay. what I was going to say is I, I understand that people fall in love, and that kind of shit happens, but you don't have to throw it into every fucking movie just so, what, you're drawing a certain demographic? Like, now more women are going to like that movie because Ben Affleck fell in love with the woman, or now more guys are going to like it because Ben Affleck got laid a couple of times. It's fucking stupid. Yeah, it's very important. And, and ultimately, like, you take somebody like Scorsese, right? And he does things in a very specific way. Like, he wants to look at the dark underbelly of things. And I guess that's what brings people in. And maybe Ben Affleck uses different, you know, effective strategies to bring people into a to a film to get it to relate to them, like you said, to, to a, a draw on a, a specific demographic. And look, I'm being hard on the town. I don't hate the movie. Um, I, I like uh, I like the Fergie character uh, when he when he talks to him about how you know how you, how you deal with your geldings. You know, I did your mom the chemical way. You know, <laughs> I, I gave her a taste and doped her up. You know, good. And then she hung herself with a hanger. Live by night is oh, the name of the movie. Okay, right, right there, I got it. Okay, I never even. Never even seen that. Got no, got no idea about that one. But uh, um, either way, because um, characters are generally like save a movie for me. Uh, the FBI agent was an idiot, and it look at John Hamm, the one that played it. You know, I mean, he was just a very typical. Uh, he would make stupid FBI comments like, uh, "What did I see here? Um, this is the no fucking around crew, and uh, we're gonna." turn this around both ways. I mean, and they, oh, the, the, the fact that they used that Dino guy, Dino the Dago, right? I, li I like that because the fact that they drew somebody in from there, the only reason why he got that job there was because he was tied into the community. He was like a paid, uh, what do you call CI, a paid confidential informant who right. worked for the FBI. Um, but having said that, it just was like that, the, the love side of it was hokey. The... His relationship to Renner was hokey. Like, it just wasn't really, like, the, the characters did not really go very well. Like, they make a big deal about his dad, but his dad doesn't really even, he has the two, you know, you know, you need to get over your mom fucking killing herself. And it's the only, the only real communication that he has with her. It just didn't, if you're going to go into the dark side of that world, it just seems like they could have done a better job. So, 
Well, absolutely. I think that most movies could do a better job. But it's it's easy for us to say that shit when we're sitting here in the fucking... No, I I will talk all kinds of shit about all kinds of stuff. If I see something wrong, I'm going to point it out. But I'm just saying, you know, that it's easy for somebody to say, well, you should have done this or you could have done that. Why didn't you do this instead of that? And like, okay, so I've said it before, like when I wrote the book, one of the reasons that I self-published was because there were so many other authors that had talked shit about publishing houses taking away their fucking, the, what they were saying. Like one lady wasn't allowed to say ass and they changed it to this. You couldn't say damn, let alone goddamn. Um, so when you're making a movie and you've got this huge budget and this isn't even a huge budget as far as movies are concerned, but let's say, it's $15 million. Well, the executive producers are going to want to have a say in what is done and what isn't. And maybe they threw the girlfriend in because in real life, she was fucking one of the executive producers and they wanted her to have a spot. Uh, maybe the guys at whatever production house did it, you know, what Warner Brothers wanted it there because... Again, it, it draws in this this other demographic. It doesn't make it so hard and gritty, and it, it gives everybody that fucking stupid rose-colored glass thing that we all need in, in the U.S. And I'm pretty sure, yeah, Ben Affleck isn't putting up all the money for his, his movies, so he's going to have to play by somebody else's rules to, rules to some extent. It was the $37 million budget for the film. I mean, there wasn't a lot of technical stuff. In it. Well, no, and I didn't know. I was just throwing the $15 million out there yeah, as an example because, I mean, even if it's only $15 million, you've got to answer to somebody. To somebody. Else, unless you're the person that's, or you and the people that you're putting in that circle are directly... Uh, right, which is weird because he probably could have put up the fucking thirty-seven million by himself. He could have asked his buddy Matt Damon to help him out. <laughs> so you know they're they're putting a movie out called Air this year, right? That they produced and uh, Affleck directed, and I'm pretty sure a lot of the funding came from uh, from both of them. But I, I don't know that for sure. I should probably not say that unless I know a little bit more. But uh, having said that, uh, yeah, I mean it's you know it's. It's a bank robbery movie, you know, and 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 the the Amores are kind of like way that that I like. I mean, the fact that they have commitment to each other, you know, um, I, I really think it's funny um, how how much. Uh, so I was watching uh, Reservoir Dogs, right, and uh, they're talking about this. Uh, uh, it's when uh, Tim Roth's character, Mr. Orange, goes and he's talking to the the other cop who knows that he's un undercover and uh, they're doing uh, <clears throat> um, they're trying to get ready for what it is that the, they're the rehearsing is it's right it's right before the rehearsal okay. but he's sort of like he's but uh, he talks about how that guy Long Beach might put him in a contact with uh, uh, okay, so it was at the diner when he diner, was talking right, yeah. about all of this shit, uh -huh. and he's like, I got him. I got that motherfucker. Yeah. He's on the hook. So one thing that they always do in these movies where they talk about the person that uh, that rats on people and, and, and rolls over on people, 
I always think it's funny that cops, because they have their own kind of amorta in, in a certain sense, too. It's the yeah. blue line. Yeah. yeah uh-huh. But so they, 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 they try to pull narcs in all the time, but they hate fucking narcs. You know, every time they talk about a CI, they always, you know, this guy's a scumbag. That guy's a scumbag. You know, I just think it's fucking hilarious that uh, in a lot of senses, the way that the criminal's mentality is formulated is almost like the the, the mirror that sits between them and the uh, law enforcement is almost exactly the same. Dude, they are the same. The only difference is one of them's got a badge. That's why I was saying that for a while I thought you know, in the, the old West, it was harder to tell the good guys from the bad. And then I thought about it and I was like, no, it's not any fucking different. I mean, they take bribes, they fucking shoot people, they beat people up. And who knows, maybe they do fucking rob banks. I'm, I know for sure that they rob drug dealers. Yeah. That's the, I mean, that's that, that one with the, that Boston one that I had you, I can't remember what the fucking name of it was, but, uh, John Voight's the dad, um, uh, and uh, Clive, uh, it's not Clive, but whatever. Um, it's all about these dirty Boston police officers that are uh, robbing fucking drug dealers all over the place and paying people off. And uh, is that the city? Yeah, yeah. So I, I kind of understand what you're saying, but cops, I. You know, they they don't hate it when somebody goes undercover and and rats on, you know, the other people, because at that point they're doing their job. But if anybody ever tries to take anything to internal affairs, they get all fucking, you know, hurt. Um, Yeah, it's there. There's definitely. I just think it's odd. a certain amount of hypocrisy there. And they're exactly, exactly. Pride and Glory was the name of the film. So, um, but, uh, and it was actually a pretty good, a pretty good film. Complicated to be sure and interesting. And, but I think that uh, it's just hilarious that, and that's a stereotype. They do it over and over again. Every time you talk about an arc, I mean, you know, they, they, they use them, but they don't, don't, don't think anything is nice about that guy. He's a, you know, he ratted on all of his friends. Well, how are you fucking succeeding at what you're doing unless you're doing, you know, I, I, I don't want to get into that. Right. Like, I, be, I believe in protecting the people that you get involved with in life, no matter what. That's your family, you know. So I believe in the worth of concepts as well. I don't really do anything that would make me to be subject to get in trouble except for opening my mouth the vast majority of times, you know. So I don't think what I believe I would ever call a muerta. And it's not because I wouldn't die for my beliefs or in order to protect people that were around me. It's because that's, I don't know. I, I don't know quite how to explain it, but originally when the Sicilian mob came up with the muerta concept, They were saying, you know, we are above everything else and you would die rather than hurt us. And now 
and this is partially because of the feds and, and everything that they've racked up against them with the, the RICO predicates and minimum mandatory sentencing and, and all of that stuff. But now those guys are ratting each other off left and right. Mm -hmm. So I don't know personally that I want to call it that just because I don't want to be associated with that concept because of the fact that it's essentially dead like oh muerta is muerta <laughs> you are a total <laughs> fucking douchebag but i i would call it you know fucking honor respect any number of fucking words i'm not, I'm not ready to let go of it quite yet i understand the point that you're making but uh because i think it goes beyond that because i do think that when you uh maintain a commitment to something that you when you relate to other people particularly when you live in a world where like you i mean in the context of this you know the sicilian mob they were fighting against tyranny you know i mean where it began it just turned into a really horrible thing and there are moments when like if you're going to make a choice to you know to commit to something like that you you have to uh, you're you're going to make a choice with you know a select group of people i mean i i, I Again, we're not telling anybody what we're. I'm just thinking about certain kind, like because I do like the concept of honor, you know. But when like the Weather Underground did what they were doing, and the people that kept them functioning so that they were capable of doing what they were doing, um, that is a, that that would have to be a very because that's not just a belief system at that point in time. It's a code. It's, it's a, you know. I get the yeah, code, yeah. but that's what I'm saying. I mean, you can have a code of honor there's a code of respect and we're probably going too far down yeah. the road but here's another reason that i would argue and i understand you're just calling it as a concept and not a title yeah. but those guys were east coast irish or at least that's the way that they were supposed to be portrayed mm -hmm. specifically boston yeah uh -huh. Um, but it's the same in, in New York, it's the same, you know, down in Jersey, wherever. They they say that the Irish don't talk to cops. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the the same concept. Even if you're not a criminal, you're you're the enemy. I mean, you're on the wrong side. And this probably boils down again to a poor people thing because black people don't talk to cops. Asians don't talk to cops. Um, most poor people don't talk to cops. Yeah. Um, and it's because they've probably had the shit kicked out of yeah, them on numerous occasions, or they're afraid that it will happen. Yeah, they don't. They don't feel like they they're there to protect and serve. Right. They're there to, they're to shake down and intimidate and to not play you know the well we believe in the rule of law game you know it's a different kind of thing you know and we're not saying that every every cop in the world's a dickhead right but we are saying that there are some clear instances where power has been abused especially in poor poor context i think that's pretty fair to say now like at some point i think we're just you know arguing over whether or not i mean if you want to just say that that's something that's specific to that specific demographic of folks because they had that history and it connects to them you know i mean when i did look at the actual history of the town you know like look looked at the charlestown stuff um uh, 
they did actually say um, a bunch of stuff. They, they said all the people that are involved in are generally they're, they're Irish Americans and uh, they they tend to not be you know very wealthy and this is their way of and and they do not yeah like you said they don't interact with the police in a favorable manner because they've had a horrible history with well them. and it's probably not just the police it's the administration or the institution it's the state on probably multiple levels yeah of course dude of course um but the police are generally that first line of defense the primary function in in that movie was the fbi i mean the fbi is tied to the i mean they have a relationship with boston pd but i mean i guess you know maybe i should have not said it like that but either, either way you know. well and he didn't i mean dude he let that one cop walk because that was an awesome scene actually if you want to, i do yeah. like that scene when they, he just rolls up they're all standing in there in their fucking nun outfits he looks at them they look at him and he just looks away. Yep. Fucking, <laughs> I mean, but I mean, like that's an that, that's an important scene, you know, because it makes a huge fucking comment about, and that's not a comment about. It's a complicated comment. It might be a comment about Irish Americans. It might be a comment about people that have come from the same neighborhood, you know, that have suffered the same kind of background. It could just be a comment about some dude that didn't want to get shot. And I don't think that that's what they were saying in the movie. Yeah. But, I mean, obviously, you have to look at that, too, because I don't think they saw his badge. They didn't know whether or not he was Irish. Maybe they did know him. I don't fucking know. But I'm just elaborating clearly, on a number of different yeah. things to where he made they, they both the important thing, no matter what the intention was coming from, was that they all made a conscious choice. The cops and the and the criminals, you know. Yeah. I I thought that it was awesome. But I, I like the movie. Most movies I like have a similarity to it i i mean really <laughs> it's it's a genre um it's either fucking seriously probably stupid comedies but comedies in general whether they be fucking smart highbrow shit or slapstick type stuff and these type of movies you know scorsese tarantino fucking guy Ritchie. um uh, De Palma, walking fine legal lines, uh, things like vigilanteism, things like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I didn't even get into the whole fucking like, you know, the Dark Knight Rises and and shit like that. Even though that would be vigilanteism, but would it really? Um, but the superheroes. I mean, I like most of those too. But it's kind of the same thing. Kind of saying, hey, fuck you. But Batman's, well, yeah, maybe. We'll, we'll, we'll go back down that. Let's get back to Banks, bitch. Okay. Um, so, I, I don't know. I, I mentioned Bonnie and Clyde when I was talking about the, the love thing. Um, and those two really were in love. Or she fucking faked it really well. I watched that movie and... I was really surprised because fucking Gene Wilder was in it, which, I mean, he didn't have a, a long time in the movie, but he played like an undertaker that they kidnapped, which they really did kidnap people. And generally speaking, they would let them go and even give them money so that they would get back home or could get back home. 
Um, so Gene Wilder played one of the kidnapped victims. Gene Hackman played his brother, Buck. Um, so I was really surprised at who was in the movie. But again, you know, for a bank robbery movie, there wasn't as much gratuitous violence as I would have liked. Well, like, and you you suggested it's older. Yeah, what, 67? 67, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so... It was it was good though. I mean, and they did like this montage where they had a whole bunch of robberies happening, and they had this music playing in the background, and you know they'd show one robbery and one robbery and one robbery. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of that because I think that they could have stretched it out a little more, or you know played it toward the end where the fucking the Texas Rangers and the fucking guys from Louisiana and a couple of feds, you know, pinned him in and fucking shot him down because by then his brother was already dead and his brother's wife was in jail. Um, they definitely could have done it another way. That montage and the the lack of, but again, it was '67, so maybe gunshot wounds and shit weren't as easy to do back then. I, I... I think that would be fair to say. I don't remember seeing an awful lot of, uh, I mean, like, seriously, like, they, they when when did uh, Night of the Living Dead come out? I mean, that's 50s, but that was, like, baloney and fucking, right. you know. But a lot of the, the stuff had to do with, like, the rating association. I mean, when we're talking about those older movies, like, you know, they couldn't show this because, yeah. you know, that whatever. Yeah. So... It was a different time. But the blood thing is is part of that, too. Um, well, that means that if you're going to watch a movie from 67, you're watching it for the sake of the story, generally speaking. Yeah, but I already knew the story. I just wanted to check the movie out <laughs> to see how it was. I just and then, in general, when you watch it, I didn't mean you. I yeah. meant people that watch movies from back then were not watching them so that they could see somebody's fucking leg get blown off or whatever. Right. Or, well, because, like, when they, when I was doing my Bonnie and Clyde research, because I knew a little bit about Bonnie and Clyde, but I didn't know a whole lot. Like, I didn't know that she wrote a poem while she was in jail, and that's the poem that, like, I think Beyonce used for her song. That was what they based it, because it was called, uh, I can't remember. Anyway, she was a writer. She wrote this poem while she was in jail, and it apparently fucking told the story of how they ended up dying. Um, but when I was doing the research, they talked about Buck getting shot, and they said that his head had a hole in it, and you could see, like, brain matter and shit, and he was still alive. He didn't die until, like, three days later. But when they showed Gene Hackman getting shot, I mean, he just had a little bit of blood on his forehead and like a fucking Band-Aid, um, which is, I, I think they could have probably found a happy medium between showing a huge gaping hole and brain matter and then a Band-Aid. I really, I really think that you're you're like complaining about something that is so out of context for the time period in that moment. Like, no, there was just nothing. There was nothing with regards to gore. And you know what they did have? Omerta. <laughs>
<laughs> sure they did. Sure they did. At least until they got shot in the head and then they had a bandit on it. So that car's still in Vegas. The one where it happened from? Bonnie and Clyde's car. Okay. Where? I think now it's moved to the crime museum, but it was at one of the casinos for a really long time, dude. Somebody bought it and paid a lot of fucking money for it. Yeah. You would do that if you hit Powerball. I doubt it. Maybe. You like to look at things more than just uh, own them. I don't necessarily. Yeah, I like to learn and know. You like to go to grades. I don't necessarily like to have. And, well, there's a lot going on with the reasons I don't want to have. A lot of it is because I'm fucking lazy, and if I move, I have to move all of the shit that I have. Um, but we can get into my psychology later. I think it pretty much is on your fucking sleeve most of the time. <laughs> so, don't, don't think there's a whole lot to at least dig out of some of that stuff, at least. So. You know, though, it's weird because I'm looking at the the list of the rest of my stuff on here. Mm-hmm. And so, the heist with Gene Hackman and Danny DeVito, there ends up being this love interest that kind of fucks Gene Hackman, but he ends up getting revenge because they stole all of this fucking gold and and whatever. So that's kind of different from the Hollywood perspective because it's not the happily ever after, and not that in the town it was happily ever after because Ben Affleck went off on his own, but... It definitely wasn't happily ever after. I mean, he survived. She didn't fuck him. Not in the way that, like, she didn't rat somebody out or double-cross him or anything like that. Um, and then the heist, she fucking double-crosses Gene Hackman. Gets most of his fucking crew killed and... Like, through the cop, through the, through the uh, law no, enforcement? No, through, through, like, it? this other gangster guy. Oh, wow. So pit somebody else against him. You know, we were talking about some... Uh, and I know this is another one of your favorites, but uh, uh, in Heat... Um, what's her name? Uh, Val Judd. Kimmer's, yeah, Judd. Ashley Judd? Is that okay? Yeah, Val Kilmer's wife. Um, she does a really cool thing for Val Kilmer at the That's end. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. I love that fucking scene. <laughs> Just that little fucking finger wiggle, dude. Yeah, I mean, she literally, they have a sign, you know, and Val Kilmer does not come up and he does not get busted and he gets out of there. And he's the only one that yeah, gets away. And I, I don't really want to ruin the movie for everybody. It's uh, too late. If you haven't seen it yet, motherfuckers, it's free on YouTube, too. You so. should go back and watch it. But um, that movie, I'm pretty sure they based on, at least in part, in a real bank robbery that happened in downtown L.A. Because mm-hmm. in downtown L.A., they went and they had all of this fucking like armor on um and i'm not talking about just a bulletproof vest i'm talking about like fucking armor like i can't remember i think they fucking cut radiators in half or some shit um but they went with fully automatic weapons and and robbed a bank in downtown la and there was a huge fucking shootout between the cops and uh these guys that were robbing the bank which is 
essentially what happened in heat after they well were about to rob that ore place and they robbed those bonds from that guy and tried to sell them back but ended up killing him and it's a good fucking movie. There's a lot of killing, a lot of double crossing, a lot of some shit. Twists. It's it's a long fucking movie. I I mean, like I my favorite scene is like I told you. I I like when De Niro and him are in the coffee shop. You know, uh, Pacino. Pacino pulls him over and says, "Let me buy you a cup of coffee." You know, so they go and they have their cup of coffee, and uh, like it's funny because. Pacino's giving him shit, you know, don't you want a normal life? And then De Niro's like, so do you have a normal life? And he's like, well, see, I've had three wives and my current wife's about to get rid of me. You know, turns out that his fucking daughter, who's Natalie Portman, ends up trying to kill herself uh, because her dad's so fucked up and because she's just lost, you know. And I think that while Pacino represents something for her, it's not, you know. So Pacino is not having any sort of normal life so he's kind of a fucking hypocrite so it turns out that the only thing that they both can uh identify that's meaningful to either one of them is their job you know i'm a i'm a robber i'm not going to change i'm a fucking cop that likes to chase the the biggest robber and i'm not going to fucking change you know i don't care if you fuck my wife but you're not going to watch my tv i forgot about that scene That is how that that plays out. Well, it kind of fucking illustrates what you were talking about. He's not going to change. He is a cop, and he keeps these weird hours, and his wife ends up banging somebody else, and he gets mad when he finds out. Not because they were having sex, but because dude was watching his TV. But the, the fact that, the, again, like, that's that reflective disposition between the criminal and the, and the, and the crime stopper. Well, and you, I think you may be forgetting a really important part when you're talking about that, that reflection, and that is that, and of course you have to have a huge network or at least valuable information in order to make this, this occur. But De Niro found out who the cops were that were watching him and so he decided i'm gonna watch them and he put tails on them and he planted false information and they showed up and they're in the middle of this fucking thing trying to figure out what they're gonna rob next and he's like well they've got you know very little cash and these guys over here have nothing and over here and pacino figured it out he said you know what this is and they're like what and he goes, well, we're we're the ones being watched now. And De Niro and I think Val Kilmer were up on that fucking tower taking pictures of him and everything else yeah. um, so that they could figure out more about the, the cops that were chasing him. And that guy, um, John Voigt, said, this guy's fucked up. He's gone through all of these wives, you know. So what am I He's got high blood pressure. Well, just, details? I mean, I don't no, 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 no. You're just, because I think when they're sitting at the booth, there's that reflective thing. Mm-hmm. But when you think about a cop chasing a criminal, that's one thing. When you think about a criminal chasing a cop, it's something entirely actually, different. No, I think that actually demonstrated, demonstrates exactly what I'm trying to say, dude. Exactly what I'm trying to say. Then why didn't you fucking say it? Because I don't need to fucking spell it out like that, dude. When I sit there and I say, 
that you have you have these spaces where the thing becomes the other thing, right? Then it's implicit, right? In in what it is that's happening, right? Especially like when you universalize it to a gigantic level, like where you have big banks that are fucking ripping people off. Because in those instances, you're you're not you're not the 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 separation between the, the criminal and, and the, the crime stopper is merged, right? So like when Goldman Sachs comes out and says after, you know, all the shit that they did that they talk about in the my favorite bank robbing film, which is I don't know. Is it called The Big Short? It might be called The Big Short, right? I mean, because remember when we were talking about what we were talking about earlier in the week, the point isn't just to talk, it's to understand that this is about banks robbing banks, robbing banks, and that there is something that's happening to where uh, the criminal uh, becomes the the liberator on some level and the liberator becomes the criminal right so like uh, one of the douchebags that was the head of fucking goldman sachs is standing up in fucking front of they're sitting in front of congress you know they're, they're go through all of them like in two it was 2009 2010 or something like that and uh, they asked one of the vice presidents it wasn't the the main the main guy but uh i can't remember the name right off the top of my top of my head but they're they're talking to him and uh he says so you were selling these uh, these CDOs, these synthetic CDOs, that uh, you knew were preparing to default in in one space, right? And then you were you were you were you were buying these um, these futures that suggested that the housing market was about to fall on its fucking face at the same time. And he, and, and they asked him, "Is this a con- don't you think that that's a like a?" a conflict of interest, at least if it's not a crime. And the motherfucker said, this is capitalism, you know? And that's some fucking bullshit, because at that point in time, you're literally rigging the game, you know? And I mean, it's bad enough that you're selling a product to somebody that you know is a piece of shit, you know? I mean, and go, go see the big short. I'm not going to go through what a synthetic CDO is and all that kind of stuff, but it's important to at least think about and understand at some point so that uh, maybe somewhere down the line we don't keep getting ass-fucked by these various institutions. So maybe this is why I'm more of a pleb than you are. But, so... Oh, sorry. I thought you had stopped. I was very close. I was very close. That was a long pause. Well, I'm thinking it through sometimes as as I go, right? But at that moment, he literally is identifying himself as both both the law and the criminal, because they're the ones that are setting the rules of the game, and then they're the ones that are fucking people over. And we literally have nowhere to go except for back to them, because ultimately, between them and all the other majors, there are no other financial institutions in the world. You know, we are pretty much fucking screwed and railroaded. Thousands, could, nay we, millions. Yeah, we could thousands, nay millions, nay millions. He's gonna try to work in a nay. I think every every time now. So I'm sorry. Go ahead now. No, no, I. I was just I was trying to get back because I know you really want to talk about the big short and and we can. Well, I, I mean I don't I I, don't, I just. But I wanted to stick with the heat reflective thing because I think and don't get me wrong I like dialogue in a movie but I think this might make me more of a pleb than you because like at the time when they're in the diner looking at each other shooting the breeze and, and it's a real tense shooting the breeze but they're drinking coffee and essentially telling each other to fuck off 
you know, De Niro says you're going to have to fucking kill well, me. That's where it resolves to. Right. But I, I enjoy that scene. But the reason I mentioned the fucking scene where De Niro was watching them is because at that point, they had turned the tables on them and... And I know it was just a fucking illustration of them turning the tables on them, but I, I like that idea better than seeing myself in a mirror. But I don't know that seeing it that way gets you as far as you need to go if you want to understand how to fight a war against somebody like that. I, I'm sorry. And maybe that does make you more of a pleb than me. I am know? more of a pleb. Because when I say the things that I'm saying right now, I mean, it's right at a con, it's right at a Marx, it's right at a Hegel. I mean, there's, there, there's no doubt about it. But at some point in time, when we're talking about the way that we want to sort of like correct the system that's really struggling right now, right? Or at least meditate on how to, how to get that done or uh, talk to other people about, you know, how to find ways to get that done and think about it, think it through, you know, like it can't always just be about these cathartic spaces where I do these things that make me feel good. You know, I mean, we have to, these, there's, there's real concrete strategic questions that have to, that have to stem further than just turning the tables on. And that's great. It's great that they did that. That's wonderful. You know, but where did it get them in the end? No, I, I understand what you're saying, but I thought we were talking about the movie. You said my favorite scene is this one. And you told me why. So I told you in the same movie, why that was well, my favorite I'm scene. Talking shit. Why I think this scene sucks. <laughs> yeah, I got that. <laughs> But I do really like the other scene that you like where she does the little finger thing on the, on, on the handrail, right? I just like That's it great. when you're standing across. That was a weird scene. I mean, that was a fucking odd scene. Like, turning the tables is a scene that you see sometimes, you know? Maybe not as cleverly as it was in Heat. I mean, that was really a long sort of drawn out where they end up getting to that point. Yeah. You know? But, uh, which is, I mean, to be honest, like for a three-hour movie, you know, I mean, it, it doesn't feel like a three-hour movie. It's a pretty good three-hour movie, you know. And there was a lot. There was a lot going on. Like and Schindler's List, that feels like a three-hour movie. <laughs> there was some of it that they probably could have fucking cut. Like, you know, of course it was kind of important. Like Danny Trejo can't shake his fucking tail, so they end up hooking up with this fucking black dude that had just lying. got paroled. He's lying, right? No, no, he couldn't shake his tail, well, and they then took, they took him in, though, right? Yeah. No, they end up. He ends up fucking getting killed because that guy, the crazy fucking guy from the bank robbery that fucking fucked everything up with the armored truck to begin with, uh-huh. ended up torturing him, trying to figure out where, where the fuck everybody oh, is. That was okay. I forgot about. That. Okay, I'm sorry. I was. I, I I I when I was watching it the other day, I was doing a lot of things at the same time. And so Trejo, the tail that he couldn't shake was the cops. But then that other dude ended up finding him and fucking torturing him. And so De Niro puts him down. I'm I'm, I'm glad De Niro killed that guy, though. You know? Trejo? No, De Niro killed the other guy. Right. But see, that's another thing, dude. That's the love part. Okay, so there's the the Judd part with Val Kilmer. And those, those two are in this weird... 
I hate you, I love you thing. But he's Bonnie. I mean, she does the Bonnie thing. She loves him enough to not fucking take him down, even though there's an entire room full of cops behind him. She's just a criminal. She does the straight criminal thing. Yeah. De Niro, on the other hand, I think is a fucking retard, dude. Like, seriously. Val Kilmer got away, and he shouldn't, maybe, maybe he shouldn't have gone to meet Ashley Judd. Because if she wasn't cool, he would have been done. De Niro has fucking cops on his tail. Everybody's fucking trying to get him. You know, it's, it's a fucked situation. And in order to get revenge... He goes to this hotel where he knows this guy is to kill him and leaves the girl that's in he's in, in love car. with in the car. Yeah. I I still I mean you and I talked about it before we started recording. Why couldn't you just wait two weeks? Especially when like so at the when when he's at the coffee shop with him and he, he says, I got a girlfriend now, you know. Like and in the beginning, like he finally has the moment where he realizes that he wants to have a human relationship, right? But before that, everything was about that rhetorical bullshit. Uh, you know, you can't have anything connected to you that you can't drop and be gone in 30 seconds. I mean, he says that like six times before that, right? So At least. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that was an... Uh, yeah, an it's example. it's a lot. Yeah, he's, he loves the... Sorry, I, I, I didn't mean to bump. But I bump. So, um, but uh, for him to... This is a problem with the writing, I think. If he would have made the mistake because he went with the person he loved, that would have been a little bit more like uh, literary, a little bit more poetic. But when he does it to go and get revenge, when none of the discussions prior to that were about revenge. Well, I think that they were speaking to his arrogance at that point. Is that one, he can fall in love and have the girl and two, he can get revenge and get away. Because he was an arrogant motherfucker, and, and for good reason. I mean, they had a fucking solid crew. And I could be wrong. I don't know what they were trying to why say. Why didn't they foreshadow revenge a little bit? I mean, I like, I like a film that like, drives me in a certain direction, or drives me in different directions. They didn't have to foreshadow it. I mean, it was there the entire fucking time, dude. Remember? So he tries to sell the bonds back to that one guy. Yeah. And that one guy sends fucking Henry Rollins to kill him. I'm a liar. I don't know, dude. I think that was because he was in a, another movie where he played some guy on the highway. And he was in a couple of movies. But he was but, his chief security guy. I mean, yeah, 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 guy. yeah. So he sends, well, or he has Henry Rollins send a crew to kill these guys. And it's at the fucking yeah, drive. The, theater. Yeah. The, yeah. Um. Well, they get their revenge on the fucking rich uppity broker guy for trying to do that shit. Yeah, so, I mean, maybe revenge isn't the right word. Maybe what's the, the word I would look for is equalization. I mean, the fact that you cannot, you can't do this without... Retribution, Retribution. <laughs> yeah, um, or or some consequence, and so maybe they should have foreshadowed it. I don't know. I That's I fucking love the movie. I, I'll, I'll take that because that is one one scene where they definitely exacted 
like a very clear clear expression of retribution and then when they go in and they fucking kill kill him you know i mean they do it twice you know so i i can take that that's a that's a fair at least the 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 concept the concept of consequence but there's no doubt like at the end it's straight self-sabotage i mean when he goes after that guy he's fucking killing himself well but you remember that he tried to kill that guy already right like when they when they were taking him outside at first when what? they were at the diner and yeah. they, he fucking yeah. opened the trunk and the trunk was full the of plastic and, and he knocked him down and that guy went yeah okay yeah, that is bad mojo. But I think the entire thing, and, and I don't know who directed it, I don't know who wrote it, I don't know if that's even fucking important. I still think it was a brilliant fucking movie. Michael and Mann both wrote and directed it. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well. He's got some good movies. Yeah. Um, so, I think maybe I, I could be wrong, is that there was no foreshadowing because the entire idea was that this crew was so ruthless when they needed to be, because remember he said, as soon as things went bad and this guy got shot, they killed the other two just so that there wouldn't be any witnesses. So they're, they're so fucking <laughs> badass. Casino, you know, I take a risk, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so badass, so ruthless that this is the crew that you don't want to fuck with, whether you're a cop or a criminal. Just let them do what they're going to do, and, and you're not going to get killed. Mm-hmm. That probably isn't the right way to say that, but that, I mean, they were <laughs> it, fucking... It kind of is, though, yeah. Yeah. Like... Stay the fuck out of the way. I mean, he, that's what he says to Pacino, like straight up when they're like, he says, because Pacino says that no matter what, if, you, if it's between you and a civilian, I'm coming for you. And then, then he says, if you back me into a corner, it's this, it's the same cost, motherfucker. Yeah. So, so he, he was great, but again, they put that, that love thing in there. That, that, that always is. It they is. Do, they, I mean, and that's a that's straight Hollywood, you know. Okay, so here's a different kind of love. And maybe revenge. So you and I have talked multiple times about Richie versus Tarantino. That's that's a, that's a foreshadow, just for the sake of argument. One, or, one of Richie's newer movies is called The Wrath of Man. And of course he has Jason Statham in it. He loves himself some Jason Statham. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck it is with those two. If they gangbang Madonna at some point, I don't know. I'm sure what's that's going. probably what it is. <laughs> Locked in like a pair of Chinese fucking finger cuffs. <laughs> you fucking idiot. I don't know, dude. But um, so Wrath of Man, Jason Statham is this guy who runs a crew probably similar to De Niro. De Niro in Heat. Um, this other group of people try to rob an armored car and end up killing his son. So, of course, he loves his son. How, how did his son get killed? He just got caught in a crossfire or something? No, uh, some psycho. So this other group of people that end up uh, doing all of these robberies around town, they're fucking um, all former military. 
and they're kind of bored now because they got home and they don't feel like they're being treated right because of everything that they did in Afghanistan. And so a couple of them are doing shit jobs at the mall and whatever. So they decide that they've got an inside track. There's an inside person that's telling them how to rob all of these armored cars. Well, this one armored car that they try to rob, Jason Statham happens to be outside doing some recon because they were planning on robbing it later. Um, well, he's got his son in the car because he figures it's fine. I'm just doing recon. He goes to get a fucking taco. Kids in the car. Clint Eastwood's son, Scott, ends up pulling the kid out of the car and fucking double tapping him in the chest. Because he saw what was going on. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, and because he was kind of because he was kind of a psycho because okay. he had shot a couple of the drivers. Because their whole their whole game, these military guys were, Clint you know, Eastwood's son? Scott. Yeah, Scott Eastwood. Really? Okay, I gotcha. Damn. Okay. Um. So that's a different kind of love. And it's not the same thing that's going to fuck up the story in the middle, but a reason to justify revenge yeah, as revenge far as I'm concerned. Yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a fact. That's something that's going to happen. Anything happened to my kid, I, I don't know what I did. Dude. And it's, it's a pretty good movie. Again, so Statham is the, the head of this crew, and they've got really good connections, so he comes up with all these fake IDs. I love the way that it's so easy in these movies to come up with fucking fake IDs and passports and whatever. <laughs> but they come up with this entire background on him, and he goes to get a job for the company that got robbed when his kid got killed. And he, like, only did about 75% on the fucking shooting test. And, you know, he made himself look worse than he was um but then like his truck gets robbed and he fucking kills everybody and then they try to rob another truck and he almost kills all of those people but it turns out it was his crew trying to rob him so they just quit and fucking ran off uh because they didn't know what he was doing it's it's a cool movie and guy Ritchie does a really good job of throwing Uh, some twists and turns in there. Not that it's fucking M. Night Shyamalan or whatever, but it's... Shyamalan? Shyamalan? Yeah, whatever his fucking <laughs> name is. His movies fucking suck, but that's just my opinion. Um, whatever, dude. You love his movies, man. Yeah, I do. Bring away. The Village. You know what? He always has I good see names dead for people. his characters. H, Bullet, Boy Sweet Dave, Hollow, Hollow Bob. Agent King. Dude, I'm fairly sure that he, like, grew up in, like, a gangster part of town in London. Because he really does have good names for his fucking people. Um, And Rock and Rolla. Which, well, never mind. I I don't want to do the the whole Guy Ritchie thing. But um, there was another Guy Ritchie movie on here. And that's Snatch. Fucking funny movie, dude. Fairly to blue. Um, 
so I don't. You haven't seen Wrath of Man, no, so we can't talk about that a whole lot. I just wanted to, because I was trying to do a segue and be slick about it, and I kind of fucked that up because I forgot that you hadn't seen that movie. That's all right, dude. Um, but he fucking has Jason Statham. Jason Statham in every fucking almost movie. every movie except the fucking Sherlock Holmes ones. Mm-hmm. Oh, and the King Arthur one he did. Statham wasn't in that one. But, um... Did you see that? I saw the King Arthur one. I did not see the, uh... The Sherlock Holmes ones. I think I've seen part of one of the Sherlock Holmes, and I don't know which one it was. Well, and I haven't seen... We'll come back seen... to that when we do our episode comparing and contrasting Quentin Tarantino with, uh, Guy Ritchie. yeah. I, I think it's important. So here's so Snatch, they do a diamond. Reservoir Dogs, they do diamonds. Really nicely polished cut diamonds. Yeah. Um, and I think because we talked about mediums of exchange in, in our uh, last couple of episodes, I think that it's important to know that those precious stones are always going to be a medium of exchange. Now, in Snatch, it's a different fucking thing because it's like the di- a diamond the size of a fucking fist. It's huge, dude. So I think the only way you could get rid of that is to fucking break it up into yeah, smaller up. stones. You gotta up, yeah. Um, unless you just knew some fucking incredibly rich asshole that was willing to pay for it. But they'd have to hide it from here to eternity. Right, so. right. Um, so Snatch is one of those where it's not just one robbery, it's, it's kind of several robberies throughout the movie. Ending up with the fixing of a fight. Well, sort of. The fixing of the fight was... It happened a couple of different times. Um... Because he was supposed to throw the fight, and he didn't throw the fight. He was supposed to throw the fight and didn't. And finally, at the end, he didn't do it again, but he had all his Jippo people out in the fucking parking lot, and he killed Bricktop and everybody else. Fucking Bricktop, man. Bricktop and his (laughs) pigs, man. Some dark-ass shit in that fucking movie, man. You have to pull the teeth for the sake of the piggies' uh, digestion. It's so loaded, too, dude. There's so many fucking movies in this. The people in this movie. It's fucking hilarious, dude. Dude, it, it is, I think, one of my favorite movies of all time. There's little doubt that it is Brad Pitt's best role. By far and above. I still like him in True Romance. <laughs> yeah, the honey bear. You know, oddly enough, you've referred to it on this show like three or four times, but I always forget the honey bear. And you always say it's his best role, but dude, Fight Club, he was fucking really good. And I know we're talking about a couple of different things, but... Well, when I bring it up, I'm asking for it, but dude, when he... Dude, his... the How he... That accent, it is, it is so... That is just such a unique, like, incredible... What'd you say? It's not Irish. Perry, and it's not Perry, English. What did you, you say? Perry Winkle Blue. What? What did you say? You like dags? Yeah, dags. What? What? 
The dogs. Dogs. Oh, dogs. Yes, I like dogs. Because they give him a they give him a dog with a. And that's the same dog that snatched the fucking diamond. Uh, is the diamond snatching dog? <laughs> the fucking brilliant writer, dude. He really is a very brilliant writer. Pretty decent. Yeah, dude. I mean, and the. The first movie I ever saw was Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Okay. I don't know if that was his first movie or not, but I didn't mention that on this show, and I know I'm mentioning it now, but there is yeah, you, you fucked it all up. There is robbery in that movie. It's just not a bank or, or anything else. I mean, they're stealing drugs and money from drug dealers to pay off other crooks. So he's, again, I don't know for sure. Maybe he's just got a really fucking vivid imagination, but he is definitely familiar with crime, or at least crime as it relates to London. It's his full, it's just, it is his first full feature film in 98. He did a music video before that, and he did a short called The Hard Case, but... Lockstock is his first uh, full feature film. Snatch was his second. I mean, like that's why that's why you got to compare him to Tarantino because they those motherfuckers just hit the ground running, you know. Yeah. Although I think that uh, I think that Guy Ritchie's kept it uh, kept it up a little bit better than Tarantino. But again, I digress. We'll talk about that later. Yeah, that that could have just been well something. And when we're going to skip Aladdin and the Guy Ritchie movies. But that was that Aladdin weird live thing, right? With was, Will Smith? It was Disney. It was a Disney movie. No, I know. Yeah, it, but, had, yeah, it had Will Smith. Yeah, it. it was some sort of weird fucking like half cartoon, half live thing. Yeah. They, was, they just put a bunch of CGI shit on it. Yeah, I, I skipped that too. I mean... And I might go back and watch the Sherlock Holmes, but there's no fucking way I'm going to watch the... Those movies are definitely worth watching. Both Jeannie, I think, always tells me she hates them, but... The Sherlock Holmes or the Aladdin? The Sherlock Holmes. Oh, okay. I just wanted... Anyway. Um, Okay, so we've, we've still got a bunch of fucking movies and shit to talk about. Like, one of my favorite movies, as far as crime goes, that is fairly recent, and it's not all that recent, is called Hell or High Water. Um, it was done in 2016. I want to talk about The Highwaymen, because that one is fairly recent, and that has to do with the cops that were chasing down Bonnie and Clyde. Um, we, we, we're going to have to talk about Point Break at least a little bit. we got to talk about In Time at least a little bit. In yeah. Time is an important, an important one because it's totally off the beaten path from what we're talking about, but it's definitely a bank robbery movie in a fucking weird universe. Absolutely. And there, there's, a, there's a bunch of shit we definitely need to talk about, but we're coming up on an hour and 11. So I figured before we started talking about another movie and going on and on, we probably should break unless no i need to relieve myself all right uh we're going to take a break and we will be back in the second half for some other shit yeah all right later